please help me welcome Patricia. My name is Patricia, and I am a compulsive overeater in recovery. And I'm happy to be able to say that. I haven't been to this meeting ever, ever that I can remember. Um, And been wandering around for about 25 minutes, not knowing exactly where we were going. Thank God I had a co-pilot with me. And uh, I know you. Um, It's just good to be here. Good to have a place to come and talk about who I was and what happened to me and that I have a life now. Because I certainly didn't when I got here. Um, One day at a time, I've been abstaining for a little over 23 and a half years. And um, life is very different today, as I started out by saying. I came here not knowing myself, not knowing what having a life even meant. not in any way, shape, or form knowing who I was, what it was like to have a relationship with anybody. Um, I looked like I had friends, and I did have friends, but not friends such as the ones that I've had in this program for going on 24 years. And um, I came here to get thin, and then I thought that men would like me, and that you would like me. And I got very thin. I lost 50 pounds in six months. And that was way too fast. Um, Kept that off practicing food control, which I didn't know I was doing, or on a diet, if you will, but not really knowing that. Um, Till a sponsor that I'd had for several years, I just, I didn't like what she was saying to me. But what she was saying in a different way was that I was becoming anorexic. And um, I didn't see it that way. Never been 110 pounds in my life. And boy, let me tell you, in every room that I went into, especially here, but in any other room that I went into, you know that I took a look at everybody until I realized there was always going to be somebody thinner. And there was always going to be somebody bigger. And that that isn't what this is about. As you've heard many, many times, most of you, it's about food, but it's not about food. It's about taking the weight off, but it's about living. And that's what I didn't know how to do. Now, yes, I'd like to be a little thinner than I am right now. And uh, I talk to God about that on a daily basis, and I'm dealing with it. But... I made a decision about somewhere between 12 and 15 years in, maybe more around 12, to stop the way I was eating. I'm not going to go into all that except to say that I was feeling deprived in every area of my life. And I didn't want to feel that way anymore. And I didn't know how to do it by myself. So I talked to a sponsor and I talked to a couple of other people that I worked, not that I worked with, but that were friends by this time, and began to eat a little differently and to bring some things into my food plan at that time. Um, but I ate a lot with people in these rooms. 
and people who were abstaining and people who had what I wanted. And because my fear was that I'd go even past 200. And that never happened. But, and if somebody wants to talk about that, I'm glad to talk about it. But I just do it differently today because my life is different today. I came in here not liking myself. Came in here wanting to get sober, actually. And so began abstaining and sobriety all at the same time because I didn't know that people did one and then the other or, you know, went to AA and then came here or whatever they did. So I'm guessing that I wasn't real a thrill a minute to work with. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I had a wonderful sponsor. She had only one birthday in here. Her sponsor, who she had six months more than I did. Now, I didn't know that at the time. She had what I wanted, and so I got her, and her sponsor was like six months ahead of her. She had one birthday and both programs, dual program. So I didn't really talk to anybody that much about that when I got here. And that's the only thing I knew, and it made things simpler for me. Um, took me six months to go to an AA meeting and raise my hand, but I'm not here to talk about that just to tell you how I came in here because I thought I was going to be fat and drunk for the rest of my life and they'd just lock me up and throw the key away, so to speak, one day. Never dreaming that I could get to know myself and explore myself and stop blaming people. I didn't think I blamed anybody for every, anything and I blamed them for everything. It's the truth of the matter. You know, this old thing of pointing this way, and I got three pointing back at me. Well, I began to do that first inventory, which I was told to do before my one-year birthday, uh, because I was writing an epic novel, is what it seemed like. And I finished it and got it shared with my sponsor. And um, had I was looking around my home today um, and yesterday, just because I was... And I still have gifts from that very first birthday. People gave me things that are not around anymore. But thank God that I am and you are. And this thing just um, grabbed hold of me because I'd never come into any place where I felt love like this. I didn't come from a place like that, not a family, not any relationship. And I felt the love. I felt the happiness. I heard about the pain, but there was a way out. And that's something that I realized at some point this morning or yesterday or whenever. I've been, you know, I don't usually start practicing three or four days ahead, but this time I did. Once Roy said, we record you, I knew I had to know what I was going to say. And I never know what I'm going to say. But... um that's God's business when I get here. I practice it and then give it to my God and share with you. And I trust that that word doesn't offend any of you. If it does, then you you choose your own word. But it was hard for me to grab hold of because I didn't feel I was worthy of coming to a God of my understanding. And you gave me that in here so that I could go to God and ask him at times to him or her to love me when I felt the least lovable to myself. And something that dawned on me also in doing this retrospective or introspective thinking these last few days is that... um, I lost my train of thought. 
It'll come. Um, I know what it was. That when I start, I wanted to come up here and tell you about how badly I was feeling about myself today. And I'm not going to go into any of that because I realize this whole body image thing with me or anything else that I'm going to obsess about, just as the food can be that obsession or was, um, is to take the place of telling myself the truth about what's going on and being willing to feel that or deal with it or tell somebody I'm angry or tell somebody how much I care about them and that I really miss them or any of those things. I will get into these clothes don't look right, my nails aren't right, my hair's not right, any of those things that you're not going to notice anyway because you're busy worrying about your thing and not mine. But that grabbed me really firmly. Um, And in talking to someone about it, I realized that I can do that a great deal. And I would choose not to do that. I would choose to come here and tell you that there's some sadness, there's some pain going on in my life. I still have grief at having a mother who died come July of this year, three years ago. And I'm told that that isn't surprising, that it sneaks up on me. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I had a wonderful relationship with her because I didn't. I resolved some things with her and wrote lots of inventory um, and was very sad to see the way in which she died and was there for the whole thing and have the responsibility of most of it because I'm the, the kid that's left in California mostly. And I get resentful of that at times. But even at that, um, just going to visit my dad yesterday because he was so, when my mother died, he was very angry because he is of a generation that the men are supposed to go first. And so he was angry and he talked to their minister of their church a lot, which I was grateful for. But I was visiting him yesterday and it's very difficult even yet for me to be with my father. Because I have to pull things out of him and introduce conversations and I try to go visit him without expectations and sometimes I succeed. They're the things that cause me to suffer. And I don't, I'm not into suffering these days. But I started to get really ticked at him yesterday. And he wasn't doing anything. He was just being himself. And he's 88 years old. And I... What I did was continue what I was doing and say, wait a minute, two things. How about treating him like you would a newcomer? Because that begins to turn things around for me. And pray that there will be somebody there to do these things for me if I need this kind of assistance. Um, I think there's different ways to go because I'm in this program. I think there are other things that can happen, and I don't. My life is so different from many years ago when I came here. Um, And I will bring you into today rather than going back to what I came from so much because this program led me to other programs to deal with my money, to deal with the alcohol, to deal ad infinitum. 
but by realizing that I even had a dream that I had practiced in my 20s and given up because I didn't have the support or the self-confidence to do it, coming here, going to these other two programs, found out that my real gift is music. I've played the piano since I was six years old. When I first got here, I used to play over on the east side out in the San Gabriel Valley. Um, I played the piano, accompanied people, played the piano in Covina and out that way. And then I got away from all that again. And then about five or six years ago, I was I had come to a place where I was doing temp work. I had been on disability and uh, didn't get rehired in the place that I was in and went through a lot with that. But um, discovered that I could teach piano. And so started doing this part-time work, working 20 hours a week, and gradually got, I taught class lessons at a Y for a while, and then began to pick up private students through other people. And today, I'm happy to be able to tell you that I am self-supporting through my own contributions, and that I have a waiting list. And you couldn't have convinced me of that at any given point. I would have said, that's fine for you. You've got your dreams. You've got your passions. You've got your talents and gifts. But I didn't think I had any. I, I never looked deeper at that. And I'm just loving this. I just love it. And uh, my next step is to get myself some piano lessons again. And then I'll see what I do with that. I've got a lot of what I'll have to work through with somebody, what I would say is performance anxiety, because I was in a lot of shows and things when all through school, but I was never comfortable. And what I get to do for these children who range in age from four to 13, and then I have some adults who I'm never going to force to play in a recital, but we make a party out of this. And if they don't get it memorized, they can use their music. Because I want there to be the least amount of pressure that there can possibly be and for them to enjoy this. And my one of my favorite sayings with them is because they get frustrated. They get to that place of frustration that we all come. And just reminding them that most people don't look back and say, gee, I wish I'd stop taking piano lessons. And just as we in here don't look back and say, gee, I wish I'd stop abstaining. Um, we do stop that at times, some of us. Um, that's not something that I believe we can control. Even though I did, I had a honeymoon in here for about 12 or 15 years. Just, you know, um, and... I don't know what else to say about that except that there came that day when I decided I wanted life to be different. And I've had relationships in this program. Tried one relationship twice and the second time thought, what did I ever see in him? And uh, I am not a person that... I was very grateful to do that um, because it. I still thought it allowed me to close that relationship. And... Um, 
I'm not a person, I'm not a woman that has a lot of relationships. I can go for periods of time and be by myself. I I fill up when I'm by myself, and I have to watch that and not isolate. Um, and that's exactly why when I started teaching, I go to their homes instead of being in my home all the time. Um, but these things are, are gifts of this program. I would never have thought of these things. I have talked to people in these rooms, talked to people in a couple of other programs, and they make suggestions that sometimes terrify me um, because I can live in a lot of fear, and I was thinking about that. I don't too much these days. I, um, as I say, I started practicing what I was going to say, but finally let go of that, and um, just want to tell you that because of you coming and sitting in these rooms and listening to people up here, I have abstained for however many consecutive days I've abstained, and I have a fine, fine relationship with a son who is now 37, and he was 13 when I got here, and um, gone through things like a year into abstinence and sobriety, um, my ex-husband died at a very young age, and we hadn't had any contact with him, but the responsibility fell on us to see that he was buried and and so on. And we did. I did that, and my son was part of that. But I never could have made it through these times without the help of this program and sponsors and friends who called up and... I still have a couple of friends who call up and say if they haven't heard from me in a few days because when I get even now when I get into a place where I it's not a it's a painful place I have a hard time picking up the phone and finally I have to just pick it up and say hi how are you to get the conversation going to tell somebody what's going on with me so I don't stay in that place um that was one of the hardest things for me to do coming in was to feel worthy of taking up 15 minutes of somebody's time till I finally got it when I started getting the phone calls that it's helping me just as much as it's helping the other person. And I'm quite sure I didn't talk about anything but food for quite a long time. I didn't know a feeling from my backside when I got here. And I gradually began to hear things. I began to go to retreats. Um, I tried every program I could get my hands on, from Al-Anon to you name it, till I finally said, this is my main program, Overeaters Anonymous. AA is right in there with that. And I go to the others when I have need of them. I don't get to as many meetings as I used to. When I first came in, I I went to meetings every night. And that first sponsor took me to the meetings because I didn't have a car when I got here. And on the weekends, I went to as many meetings as I could fit in because I certainly had nothing better to do. And it felt good to be in here and feel safe and feel cared about and to hear what you had to say about what was going on in your life, in your life, and gradually I began to 
get into and participate in the um, participation meetings. I was real quiet in there for a while. So, you know, I didn't know that was ego, thinking that you wouldn't be interested in what I had to say. Um, I didn't, I just didn't know that. I thought I still, I have friends that are not in program that are longtime friends. I just came back from San Francisco having visited a friend there that we had a wonderful time. Um, but she knows who I am and what my life's about. And there's always a lot of conversation about food when I go there. And I don't initiate it. But um, we have a good relationship. And that relationship began in 1975, even before I hit program. We worked together. So um, she's been a very supportive friend. And I've learned how to relate to people outside these rooms, is what I'm saying. And that was hard for me at the beginning. I felt safe here and uh, fell safe with a therapist. And I, I just, I never had that feeling that I had a, a safety net of people that I could turn to. And that kind of community has over the years become very, very important. Um, and I think we're really blessed in here because we get to have that and we get to learn how to do that. I've talked to people that I tell, well, I only have three or four very close friends. The others are in between acquaintance and, and very close. And that's a lot of close friends to people outside these rooms. And I think that's a real, real gift that we get in here. Um, oh, what else can I tell you? Um, I have a relationship, as I started to say, with my son today. And we went through some rough times. He came out to me in 1989. Um, I believe at some level that I was not ready to consciously admit to myself. I knew who he was. But he was very frightened to talk to me about that. And I just finally approached him and said, there's some, you know, there's an elephant in the middle of this room. We need to talk. And that relationship has simply gotten better every day. I miss him like crazy right now because he's in a wonderful relationship. I live in Pasadena. He's always been about 15 minutes away. And this sounds very foolish, but I don't feel foolish saying it anymore. He's moved out to Covina, which is about 20 miles away. So, you know, it's just... The, what it brings up is what I didn't even realize I had so much of, being abandoned at a very young age. Um, so I get to talk to him about that. Um, in, the, in that, I discuss with him not what I'm talking to you about, but just that it's important to me that I see him once a week or that we talk once a week and that he absolutely agrees with that. So we do it in some way, shape, or form. Um, because he's really the only family that I feel close to. And um, I was going to say something else about that. Um, I know, this being abandoned. Um, I had had polio when I was two and a half and wore a brace until I was about 12 years old. And going through that and gaining weight at some age early on made me feel very different 
and separate. And had surgeries at 12 to 17 and corrected a great deal of that. Um, it had been a light case. They didn't even know what I had, uh, really, because uh, polymyelitis or infantile paralysis, as it was called, was just kind of something very new in, what, 1937 or 1938. And um, fortunately, I had a light case of it, but it gave me a lot of mileage to step away from you and be special and different. Not special in the way that I know how to be special today and make you special and assure you of how special you are in my life. But to not have anyone that I trusted to be close to because going to the hospital over in Los Angeles and my family being out in the San Gabriel Valley and in those days they could only visit me once a week. And so it was a very difficult time as I look back when I began to discover that and uncover it. But I did that in these rooms also. And so having the death of my mother and then this move of my sons a couple of years later, it's not the big deal that that was, certainly, but it's just more of those old buttons from way back there that I don't stay in anymore. But I'm not afraid to cry and sob at home because I know I'm not going to cry so hard that I fall apart and can't come back together again. But trust me, I was in a group of women in these meetings that held on to me when I first did that and let me know that I was not going to fall apart without their help being there and that they would see that I came back together because I was very afraid to go into some of that because it's much easier for me to get angry than to feel hurt and to feel left alone And all of those things, I can act like I'm angry with you and it's your fault. When I'm having a bad time with those folks out on the freeways and the road, first of all, I start leaving earlier because then I'm not in a rush and they can just do whatever they want to do. But the other thing is it's just like with body image, food, anything else. When I start looking at them and they're all jackasses, something's going on with me. Because I just, that's something I've learned about myself. So, um, let me see what I can do to kind of pull this all together. Because it seems so simple looking back and it was so hard to come. It wasn't hard once I got here, but I'd never heard of AA. I'd never heard of OA. I'd never heard of any 12-step program. And... A longtime friend, a different longtime friend, uh, came to my home one time, and um, I guess I'll back way up, tell you how I got here. She'd lost weight, and I knew she'd gone through a divorce, a remarriage, and the death of that husband. And I'd seen her go up and down, and up and down, and up and down. And I never tried any of it with her. She used to drink something. Um, I used to drink it too, and I can't think of the name of it right now, but to drink that in the morning and at night and eat a meal in between. And she didn't do that this time. She'd come to OA, and it was working. And there was a friend, another friend at my home who was cutting my hair. She said, I'll go. I'd like to know about that. She took me. Um, she never came back. But I never left. Because it, as I say, that very first meeting, 
I just heard, I don't know what I heard, but I, I felt, I guess is what I will say. I felt the caring, the laughter, and if there was sadness, people went up to people afterwards, all that sort of thing. It was like this became my family that I'd never had. I didn't realize it at the time. But I got to choose to have you for my family. And um, I decided to eat differently because I wanted to go in a different way. I didn't know it was going to lead me to here. I thought I was going to get thin and have a wonderful love affair. And I don't know what the plans were after that. But instead I got a God that I understand sometimes and um, try to do things like say, show me your way. And um, I got a, just a life that I never could have imagined. And I get lonely and I get lonesome. But I know that I'm never alone and that I can pick up the phone. I can do something loving for myself. Um, after I spent that time with my dad yesterday, let me tell you, there's a drink that the coffee bean makes. It's got stuff in it that would have absolutely fixed everything. And all it is is a decaf coffee drink. And I decided, okay, let's don't do that right now. If you still want it when you get home, have a cold drink at home, drink a water, Pellegrino water, whatever you want to do, just go home and be with this. And it took it away. And I know that's what worked when I first got here. There were nights when I had eaten dinner at 5 o'clock. And I went to bed after I had my son in bed at 8 o'clock, holding on to the big book like this, because I didn't know what else to do. There were not too many times like that, but there were those times. Um, It took me a while to really get that no matter what I do in here it's okay uh, as long as I don't become a horse thief or a you know something like that Um, I get to choose my friends and I don't have to trust everybody just because they're in these rooms um, because everybody isn't trustworthy and some are just newer and don't know Um, anonymity is very important Um, I don't worry about it outside these rooms like I used to, but there are times when I'd rather not um, because it's just not appropriate. But um, just to be able to tell you and stand up here and say that I feel good about myself. I like where I am in my life most of the time right now. And I love being here. I just love being here. Um, 30 minutes before I got here, I didn't love that I was lost, but stopped at a gas station, asked for directions, and turned back the other way. There's always another way. There's always another choice. And um, so I found my way here. And I think rather than go on with this, I'm probably going to put this out to you and see if there's any questions that I can answer. Um, I don't have any more knowledge than you do. And that's one of the things that I really believe is true, that the longer I'm here, the less I know about a lot of things. 
But I get to keep learning. And I get to be on this journey with you. And take you with me. And when I go someplace and I think I'm going to get lost or blah, blah, blah. You're always with me. And I can touch you. I can't touch the God that I have faith in and that I trust with my life. But I have people in here that I can trust. And so I choose to do that today. And Marianne is one of those very long-time friends. And uh, I'm just real grateful that I had her on the ride with me today because it made it more enjoyable. And she's one of the people I get to talk to every day. So I'm loving that part of this life, too. So let me open it up to you all. And uh, thank you very much for letting me come here and share with you. It was a real surrender. First of all, I had to be willing to go to another program because I didn't know how much. Is this off? Because I want to talk about another program a little bit. Okay. Well, this led me. First of all, like I said, I visited CODA. I went to Al-Anon. I went to everything I could at the beginning. But then about 10 years in, I went to DA. I couldn't deal with it. I was like this. So I didn't go back for a couple of years. I think, well, I've been there about 12 or 13 years. And from DA, began to have some sense of financial things and not living the way I was on credit cards. um, Because I can go from eating to spending money. And that's why I have a sponsor in that program as well. But eventually went to Boda and to Artists Anonymous. But Boda was the one that was strongest for me because business owners, uh, I had had what's called a pressure relief group. And with, trust me, without abstaining in here, I could not have done any of this. So it's really the steps, the first three steps in surrendering. Um, and then, trusting God a lot. But having somebody in what's called a pressure relief group say to me, you could make some extra money by teaching and being absolutely terrified at the time. It took me another four or five years to even begin to think about that Um, and to realize that that was definitely a gift. And I will tell you, there are still days, and I think it's more of the same that I talked about with obsessing about other things when I feel like a fraud and all those things. But you hear those things in relationship to a vision or a dream or a gift in this other program. Um, And I had to do this. I thought telling somebody your food was about the most personal thing I would ever have to do. But letting somebody into my checkbook was something else again. It was the two walk right down the street together for me. and I can flip from one to the other. So, and it's not to say that I still don't, but certainly not to the level. And I don't, I don't live on credit cards anymore. And I never thought I would ever be able to say that. I couldn't imagine paying cash for gasoline. So that's 
what has come from abstinence, from working with a sponsor, from working the steps. And I don't know that I can give you a specific step. I just know that it's, okay, God, this is your job, not mine. I want to do what you have in mind for me. And when I knew that I was doing the absolute right thing is when I left a job that I was in where it was going nowhere. And I had been doing this part-time and said, I'm, I came back from vacation and said, I'm leaving in a month. And I would teach these private students and everything else was gone. I would just get into what I was doing. And that was the answer for me, that I was definitely doing the thing I love to do. Thank you. I hope that helps. Yes. At what point were you able to make a leap into the higher power? And how did you do that? You know, mm-hmm. at what point did I relate to a higher power? And how did I go about that? Am I? Um, you know, At the beginning, I think I just listened to what other people were saying. God was a very fearful word to me because not that I thought he judged me about the way I ate and that I was overweight, but sitting in the bar. I knew that wasn't the place for me to be. And I could not. I had gotten away from church, gotten away from everything in that area of my life. I didn't have a problem hearing about God, but I had a problem with, that's fine for you, but not for me. And I have always called God, God. Um, I do things like, when I go through those dry times, like I think the 12 and 12 refers to, um, that I just do the things that I know worked, and that is to get up and write for five or ten minutes in the morning, read whatever books I'm reading the one day at a time or for today. And then I have an Al-Anon book that I read and other spiritual books now. But at the beginning, I mean, I bought everything I could get my hands on, you know, because I hadn't hit the other program yet. So I got every book I could find and uh, had them all next to my bed on my nightstand. And didn't necessarily find all the answers there, but they made me feel safe, too, because I knew everybody in here had one or another of those, or thought they did. Um, I think it was a good, I can't tell you exactly, but when I began working with others and talking to them about the steps and working the steps with them, something began to change for me because I knew it had to. I needed to be firmer in my foundation. And something that I didn't go into, and I won't now, but there was a split in my blood family because of religion. And uh, I was ostracized by two siblings because I believe we're all in this journey together, as I said earlier. It may look different, but we're doing it together. And let's try and get along while we're doing it, you know. And that's never going to happen. But I became, thanks to this program, stronger in my faith. 
And I wasn't treating it lightly that I couldn't come to God when I got here. I could hear what you were talking about. But I could not come to a God that, especially that I might understand once in a while. Um, And sometimes that's all in hindsight. But I knew that's what I wanted. Um, Because I had a lot of faith from having childlike faith from years before. And it has stood me in good stead in here because I just did everything I was told to do at the beginning. I probably wouldn't do that today, but I did then, and it worked. And my sponsor had a strong spiritual connection, as I say, her sponsor did also, or she wouldn't have been with her. And they are both still sober and abstinent. And that has been a source of strength for me. Oh, you're welcome. Yes. There are probably things that I don't include on purpose, but I have come to hone things down because I've got allergies as well. So I'm looking at gluten and things like that. Um, I haven't I haven't eaten cheese in a very long time. Um, I had to really search for something that I liked in that place because it all tasted like cardboard to me. But um, I, when I said was what I was referring to was I ate the same thing every day for I'm going to say almost ten years in here. I didn't get tired of it, but I had hold of my life in other ways, lots of control going on. Uh, the big C. <laughs> and so that's pretty much, um, I don't eat sugar, but I certainly eat it once in a while, you know. Um, that's why I say it's hard for me to talk about this from up here. I would be happy to talk to you one-on-one. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you.